我们请保罗希拉提摩泰写信给帖撒罗尼加在父神和主耶稣基督里的教会愿恩惠平安归于你们我们为你们众人常常感谢神祷告的时候提到你们在神我们的父面前不住的纪念你们信心所做的功夫因爱信心所受的劳苦因盼望我们主耶稣基督所存的忍耐被神所爱的弟兄我知道你们是蒙拣选的因为我们的福音传到你们那里不独在乎言语也
It's much harder though to actually change ourselves, isn't it? Little things are easy to change. You can get up five minutes earlier in the morning if you set your alarm. But really, there are a lot of bigger things that we cannot change. Students will often get very nervous before taking an exam. Some of us know that in our families we have become addicted to the screen. So that when we are together there is really no conversation going on. Or perhaps example of the wife ruining her family's finances with an addiction to online gambling. Or the husband and, and father who has no time for his kids because he's so obsessed with his work. Or the teenage boy Drowning his loneliness in video games or pornography. Or the young woman starving herself out of a desperate need to be loved. Big things are hard to change. The question is, is there any hope for these? Is there any hope for you and me for change? God says in our scripture passage this morning that yes, there is hope. Yes, there is hope for change. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is proclaimed in the gospel, and in our scripture report passage this morning, God calls us. He calls us to believe in the Lord Jesus and to serve Him in everything. Because He transforms you through faith. He transforms you through faith, through believing in Jesus. And so this morning we're going to talk about that transforming faith. How it comes to us. What it does inside us. And where it is leading us. So first, how faith comes to us. Now, as we mentioned last week, this is the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Which may or may not mean much to us today. But 500 years was very important to the Reformers that they get the Bible right. 
但是这五百年对于那些试图要把圣经归正的人来说是很重要的。They correct the false teachings that were being propagated by the church at the time.他们为了纠正那时候被教会所信奉的那些假的先知教师。And so the reformers came up with five slogans to correct the false teaching.所以他们就出了五个这样的话语标语来纠正这些假教师。and it's from these slogans that we're basing uh, the sermons this month. Last time we tackled in Christ alone. That was their slogan. And we talked about the importance of being Christ-centered in everything we do. Today we're looking at through faith alone. The faith through which Jesus transforms believers. But before we can talk about how faith comes to us, we need to be clear about what faith we mean. For if you drive or walk around most parts of the U.S., you will see many church buildings. Some of them are Christian churches, some of them just happen to look like Christian churches. They are not all the same. But if you go to a city like Taipei, Taiwan, you will still see uh, crosses marking churches in some places. But it's hard to miss those strings of orange lanterns strung about the streets. These lanterns are not traditional Chinese decorations, I've learned. They are actually guidelines that lead people to Temples with orange roofs and many idols inside. Temples that are shared by people of multiple faiths. But the faith we're talking about this morning is that which trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Which through Jesus puts faith in the Holy Triune God. Who is one being but three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. Whom we find in our text this morning. Faith in Jesus Christ is incompatible with the worship of other gods or idols. Worships the maker of all things alone. But how do we come to believe in this God? The answer is first in verse 5. Faith in Jesus Christ comes to us through the gospel. Through the proclamation that God has come to us in Jesus Christ. He has brought those 
to believe in him into grace and peace with God. We see that in verse 1. Paul, Savannah, and Timothy are writing to a group of believers in Jesus Christ who live at the city of Thessalonica. And their faith is in the Holy Triune God, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit. Now, perhaps you're here this morning and you've heard the gospel before. Maybe a friend told you about it. Maybe you heard about it in a church like this. But you've not yet believed. You've been invited to come in from the rain. The door of believing has been opened to you. You can see the light coming from within. Hear the sounds of music and laughter from within. But you hesitate. Will you dare to go in? Will you dare to take a peek? Now people find reasons to not believe in the gospel. And the people to whom Paul wrote our passage had plenty of reason to not believe the gospel. But we get a, a hint of the kind of world that they lived in from our passage. These people were, of course, living uh, during the time of the Roman Empire. And the thing about living in the Roman Empire was idolatry controlled everything. If you went to the supermarket, outdoor market, and you wanted to buy hamburger, that meat had come from a sacrifice made to idols. If you went to your son or daughter's soccer match, that game would not start until a sacrifice had been made to some pagan god or another. And it's against that cultural background that these people came to believe in the one living and true God. That they actually turned away from all of that idolatry of their world to worship one God. Now, were they just stupid or foolish? Surely they must have looked stupid and foolish to their neighbors. Well, no, that cannot be the case. If that were, then why haven't all the less intelligent people in the world believed the gospel? Perhaps those who received the gospel were just more spiritual or more uh, moral than their neighbors. Or 
If that were the case, then why haven't all the moral and religious people of the world believed the gospel? If it were such a logic, why is it that the most moral and religious people of the world don't believe the gospel? The gospel came to them. Faith came to them in the same way that it does for you and me today. That is, the gospel came to them in faith through the Holy Spirit. It came in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And again, this Spirit is not some other lesser God. This is the spirit of the living and true God, the third person of the Trinity. And why did the Holy Spirit come to these particular people? It's because, as we read in verse four. For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you. What do you mean He has chosen you? It means that if you have chosen to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have chosen to walk through that door into faith, it is because God, your Maker, has chosen you to receive that faith. That is why Paul can give thanks in verses two and three. He gives thanks to God for the Thessalonian believers. For the work that resulted from believing. For the labor that came out of their love for God. They thank God for that because it was God's work in the believers. Now, for those of us who have believed, there are seasons when we struggle to believe. When the amazing truth of the gospel can seem bland, somehow. Perhaps because you've realized that there is change you need to make in your life. And as much as you'd like to have that change, you haven't seen it happening in yourself. And that is discouraging. And perhaps you're wondering, Lord, why, why am I not changing? Do I just need to believe more? Yes, we do need to trust the Lord. Yes, we could always trust the Lord more. But dear brothers and sisters, you cannot make yourself believe in the Lord Jesus. God's Spirit works faith. And those whom God has chosen to work, 
Believing in Jesus Christ is not just a, a choice you make, like what to put on in the morning. Faith in Jesus Christ is supernatural. Believing in Jesus Christ is a miracle. Now don't bother to wonder if God has chosen you or not to believe in Jesus if you have not already believed with full conviction. Oftentimes we can sometimes get into a rut wondering, has God chosen me or not? Believe first and then know. And if your faith is weak today, or maybe you haven't believed at all yet, realize that God has the power to give you full conviction. Because that is how faith comes to us. And so if your faith is weak, or you don't know if you have any faith call upon the name of the Lord to give you faith in Christ ask for his Holy Spirit to come upon you in power to believe Rely on God to help you with doubt and unbelief. But then what does faith in Jesus Christ do in us? Well, of course, it transforms us. It transforms our attitudes and behaviors so that we change. Now we see this in the example of the Thessalonians. As I mentioned already, uh, their work of faith and labor of love. What are these things? They're things that the Thessalonians would not have had without God working in them. And at the least, it's what we see in verses 9 and 10. This report about the Thessalonians. And how they received Paul and his friends in the gospel. That despite all the pressure that they had to just go with the flow of the system of their day. They turned from idols to serve the living and true God. And they began to wait for God's son Jesus from heaven. In other words, we see that they had a change of heart. That despite the cost, they turned from sinful ways of the world in repentance. And instead of serving themselves and living for themselves in an empty way of life handed down to them by their forefathers, they began to live for God. They, they began to serve Jesus in everything. And this turning from sin and turning to God had such an effect 
Thessalonica, which is now the modern-day city of Thessaloniki in Greece. I was located in Macedonia. And Achaia was just to the southwest. And all the believers in these lands had heard about what the Thessalonians had done, how they had come to believe. Not only that, their faith had gone everywhere, which meant the gospel went out to their neighbors. By turning and relying on Jesus, the gospel was proclaimed from their church. And as for the believers in Thessalonica, Paul writes, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For even though you receive persecution for believing in Jesus, even though every aspect of your life had been touched by the gospel, and there was a real cost to believing in Jesus and following him. And even as you receive pressure from your neighbors to go back to old ways, you receive the gospel, the word of truth, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. With joy. That's how they became an example to the believers around them. That's how the gospel went out from them. And joy is something that you and I would like to have today, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to be joyful? Not just when things are going right for you. Not just when you get your way. But even joyful when the world around you is falling apart. These people went from living ordinary lives to facing affliction. Can you repeat? Oh, they went from living ordinary you might say easy lives to lives under persecution. And they could do it with joy. How is that possible? Look with me at verse 10. They began to wait for God's Son from heaven, whom God raised from the dead. This is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The wrath to come. 
Why is there wrath to come? Well, some of you know about wrath from your bosses. You know that if your team doesn't make the deadline, that if the sales quota is not reached that month, that if you come to work late, you will experience the wrath of your boss. You will hear about it because he will chew you out. What a nice boss. But why is why does he chew you out? Because you did something wrong. Even if it was losing track of that piece of paper that he had in his hand yesterday. You were supposed to have it. You did something wrong. And so there is wrath. But the wrath of verse 10 is God's wrath. It's talking about God's final judgment. Which is our ultimate fear in life and source of insecurity. You see, because we have all done something wrong, something incredibly heinous, that in the garden, our forefather Adam, as head of the human race, as the captain of our team, Despite all the good things and all the blessing that God had given him in the garden. Rebelled against God. The eternal, unlimited, infinite, almighty creator of everything. And God who is just has to punish sin. As uh, the youth group and I looked at this morning in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. Which speaks about the reality that all of us will one day die. It is not that we are a candlelight which is snuffed out. But it says that just as every man must die, after that comes judgment. For the living and the dead. God will judge everything, whether good or evil. And the evil that you and I have done is not any particular sin we could think of. It is our fundamental rejection of God as God. It is in rejecting God that the religions of the world have come up with all sorts of images created in the image of created things to worship. 
That is why we worship things like our jobs and our comfortable lifestyles. Is that apart from God, we look for things God has made to substitute for God. And for our rebellion against Him. We all are facing God's final judgment. The wrath to come on the day of the Lord is the Old Testament described. But friends, if we know the gospel, then we know the good news about Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Because in Jesus, God became a man. He was born roughly 2,000 years ago in an obscure Roman province and being God's son he lived a life that completely pleased the father and then he went to the cross and the strangest thing he took God's wrath to punish your sin and mine on himself why would God do such a thing? We know brothers loved by God. Jesus delivers you from the wrath to come by his performance. Which we have recorded for us in God's word. But he lived, he lived a righteous life so that he could give that righteousness to you. But he died on the cross taking God's wrath for you on himself. So that he could deliver us from God's judgment. And so that when he comes, just as he's been raised from the dead, one of the most substantiated facts from the ancient world we know, he gave us who believe eternal life. And so brothers and sisters, if you have believed, we are going to heaven. Uh, or rather heaven is coming to us when Jesus returns after all if you believed in Jesus then you are waiting for God's son from heaven you have expectation that your Savior who is not yourself your Savior from heaven is coming back and He will deliver you 
呃将来的审判。Not your performance of some list of rules. 不是你自己做的如何的好。Not your career advancement. 不是你的在工作上如何优秀。Not your accomplishments in your field. 不是你在你的领域中做的如何的好。Not your service in church. 也不是你在教会所做的服侍。But Jesus. In whom you believe is your savior. 但是这是耶稣基督那个你所相信的。And so having the greatest fear that any of us could have of God's wrath and judgment. 当我们心中存所存的这个呃呃害怕是对于神将来的审判和愤怒的时候。And having that removed from you. 当我们相信耶稣基督，他可以从我们从帮我们从中脱离，这个呃这个呃恐惧就被挪除了。The Holy Spirit produces joy in you. 圣灵在你的心中做工，让你有这样的喜乐的生活。And transformation. 也让你的生命得到改变。It reminds me of a, a baker I worked with once in a bakery cafe. 啊，这讲到这，让我想起以前我在一个烘焙屋里所遇到的一个人。I don't remember. I may have talked about him. In here before, 可能我以前有跟其中的人讲过。We get new employees to our bakery cafe every once in a while. 我们的烘焙屋有时候会有新的呃员工进来。And whereas all、uh, my other coworkers complained about having too few hours to work, 当我其他的同工来抱怨他们的工作时工时太少的时候 ，and griped about the low pay, 呃以及他们的工资比较低。This new baker who came to our cafe was different. This 来到我们咖啡屋的烘焙师，他却不一样。Because even though his job was fairly mundane, 即使他的工作只是呃重复这样的事情 ，everything came prepackaged. 每一个东西来的时候都是装好的。It's mostly a matter of putting it in the oven and taking it out again. 其实要做的只是把它放进烤箱，然后再把它拿出来。This baker knew. Joy. This baker, uh, this baker, he really understood how to be happy. And you could see the difference in his work. And so I had to ask him. Are you a believer? He said yes. 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 He knew the joy of having his wrath removed by Jesus Christ. 当他知道这样的喜乐的时候，他的愤，他的他呃，对将来的愤怒就就拿除了。And being freed from trying to save himself. 这样他也呃来来拯救他自己。Because that is what it means to believe in Jesus. 这也是呃对于相信耶稣基督的人意味的东西。Is to rely on Him. 是来单单依靠耶稣基督。To find your confidence in Him, 在你的生命中，呃，在他的里面来得到你生命的信心。To find your salvation in Him, 在他的里面得到你的救赎。Brothers and sisters, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can serve Him in everything. 亲爱的弟兄姐妹，当你相信耶稣基督的时候，你可以在你生活的方方面面都可以来服侍他。The most mundane work in the world will not condemn you. 在呃世世界上一切都不会来阻呃阻阻挠你。You don't have to save yourself. Jesus already has. Jesus Christ already has. Where then is faith leading us? This we 
Because faith is not a one-time event. It's not just once upon a time praying a prayer. It's not even just about being baptized. Faith is ongoing dependence on the Lord. Relying on Him to sustain your faith. And relying on Him to change you. Right? Verse 6, the believers became imitators of Paul, Savannah, and Timothy, and of the Lord. Not ultimately because they chose to, but because God chose to do a work in them. And this imitation of the Lord Jesus is what we call sanctification. That as we grow and we change, relying on Jesus, He makes us more like Himself. To do that which is pleasing to God. To live and give ourselves for Him. But of course, this process is gradual. We may have moments of sudden change that the Lord works in us. But most of the time it is gradual. So if faith is relying on the Lord, where does it lead us? If faith is relying on the Lord to change us and to transform us, it leads us to prayer. Uh, I recently uh, read through Jim Simbala's book called Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire. Uh, it's the uh, the account of the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, 他讲到是, uh, uh, which is a church in Brooklyn, New York. 在, uh, and in this book, Jim uh, recounts how when he came to the church, it was a dying congregation. It was uh, so small that the people could not afford to pay the mortgage. One of the ushers was stealing from the offering each week. The building was falling down around them, literally. And there was even a time in the midst of Jim, Jim's sermon that a pew split and spilled all the people onto the floor. It, it cracked. And praise the Lord, I think our pews are much stronger than that. 
And Jim just paused and then continued his sermon when they had reseated themselves. But Jim reached the point where he realized there was nothing he could do to change the church. That he had come to the end of what he as a pastor could do for the congregation. And so as as his book powerfully testifies. Jim realized the only thing they could do was to pray. And they made prayer together as a congregation a priority. It wasn't because they had to pray, because it was a requirement to pray. It came from a felt need to pray. Because they realized that for change, they had to rely on the Lord in prayer. And the Lord answered their prayer. Money showed up from out of nowhere to pay for the mortgage. Years later, a choir that they started with nine people became internationally renowned. And today, even as thousands attend the church, they still measure their health on the prayer meetings attendance. Do you see how Paul started our passage this morning? We give thanks to God. We constantly mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work of faith. Do you see that is prayer? Where is Paul's and Timothy's and Savannah's faith leading them? It is to pray. And it is to pray together, notice. We give thanks. It is not just Paul alone. It is not as though there is any individual believer in Ireland unto himself. No, as we believe in Jesus, we believe in him together. And if those who have been united to Jesus Christ through faith, and so are united to one another through that faith, our faith in Jesus Christ leads us to come together to pray. Brothers and sisters, if we are not a people of prayer, we are a farce. If we claim to have faith but do not have prayer, this is all just a show. Because prayer is the expression of how we are relying upon Jesus Christ. We look to Him to save us, not to ourselves. 
What then do we have to pray for? We Need for transformation. 当然也来祷告，让我们更呃敏感于我们生命需要改变的地方。Faith leads us to come together to pray for one another. 这样的信心带着我们彼此来带祷。Even for our struggles. 即使我们生命中的呃挣扎。Faith leads us to be willing to lose face. 信心带着我们，让我们愿意来丢弃我们原有的信心。In order that we may find. Grace. And as we pray, we know that God will keep the promises He has made in His Word. Now is it because we just pray enough that God has to transform us? What if I struggle with such and such a struggle for the rest of my life? Is God not answering my prayer? No, God will transform us. God will keep the promises He's made in His Word, but in His own time. Faith leads us not to rely on our own acts of spirituality. But through things like prayer and reading the Bible, to rely on Jesus Christ. Faith comes from hearing God's word says and hearing from the word of Christ. And the goal of believing is that we would call upon the name of the Lord. So brothers and sisters, loved by God, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Serve Him in everything. Because we know that our Savior transforms us through faith. Let us rely now on the Lord in prayer. Holy Triune God, we do come before you this morning. And we would be those who would rely on you in prayer. You know our needs, even the things we keep secret from others. Would you powerfully work in us by your spirit? To give those things over to you. To rely in you, on you in prayer for transformation. And to be willing to risk that we might pray with brothers and sisters. Not out of duty or obligation. But out of full conviction. That we are not our own saviors. But you Lord are our savior. And that you will most surely deliver us from the wrath to come. 
you enable us to trust and walk with Christ. Would you transform us that all may give you praise? We ask in the victorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.